0: Hello everybody and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Naker Nibblink and I will be your host. I've also got my guy Blake here with me. Blake, how are we feeling today?
1: We are feeling very good. All right, um, I'm excited. The Canucks are playing well. They're going to the cup, baby. That's uh, confirmed. <laughs> All right, no problem here. That's confirmed.
0: All right, yeah, that's that's, right. that's good to hear. Um, I think we could probably uh, both make a bit of money if we uh, had that confirmed right now. All
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's, I've got like the Farmer's Almanac from Back to the Future. So, that's, uh, you know, I'm talking about Back to the Future too. All
0: right. Yeah all right well by now everybody listening knows the drill we're here to look at some players who've been performing well and some who have been performing poorly trying to make sense of all that performance thus far this week i also wanted to draw some attention to some team trends that i've been keeping my eye on and i think are worth noting and might actually be a little bit surprising for the audience here so let's get into it performing well we gotta talk first First off, we gotta talk about Jason Robertson right now. Has anyone ever been hotter in the history of the world than Jason Robertson is right now? Seven goals, nine points in his last five games played. The man is doing it. Twenty minutes and fifteen average, uh, fifteen seconds—that is average time on ice. Of course, when you get up this high, there's probably going to be a little bit of uh, high luck metrics in here. So he's got a 90% IPP. He's got a 24% shooting percentage. On ice shooting percentage, surprisingly, 11.9%. Like that, might, that might be a number I'd expect to see out of Robertson uh, full season long. So that one doesn't bother me much. Uh, definitely, though, a little bit high on the IPP and shooting percentage. But if you look at this guy's advanced stats, he's just crushing it all over the place. Second in shots for 60 in those five games and first an individual scoring chances four per 60. I talk a lot about this 10 individual scoring chances four per 60 threshold that I like to see players hit, and that really kind of piques my interest for fantasy, while j Rob, his last five games is at 20.7, literally doubling that threshold man is just on an absolute tear and if that wasn't enough he's also first in the league in the on-ice stats I like to look at first in Corsi 4 per 60 and first in scoring chances 4 per 60 what is what is there to say about J-Rob at this point Blake what what can we say but bow down in awe at what he's doing on the ice
1: is he hot right now
0: Kind of seems. I like. think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh
1: my goodness! This guy, he, basically, he's the he's sponsored by Apples and Geno's. Everyone, by the way, he's yeah, Jason mm-hmm. uh, Jason Robertson. Nate is loving this man, and so are the rest of us. This is crazy. Um, I I, I did not expect this to happen. Um, you know, uh, with the holdout, just from from my experience, players that don't attend training camp and. Yeah. There's contract situations. They usually come out really slow out of the gate and he wasn't super slow at the gate, but it did not take him long to get to this level. And, and yeah, what you said, the, the advanced stats are insane. Like that's crazy. And, and keep in mind, those, those are the last five games, but uh, it, it's interesting to me, this, this player, um, I think he could go either way. Like you could say, mm-hmm. oh, he's due for a regression, um, because of some of the stats, but also, you know, like, you, you know, he, he's, he, his ice time still has room to grow. Like yes, in the last five games, he you know has yeah. played uh, twenty minutes, but his his average ice time is seventeen minutes and 30, mm-hmm. 1730. So, what if that goes up? What if it stays at twenty minutes? I mean, what are we looking at here? Um, so I, I love it. Binksy loves it. All right. <laughs> um, it. it I, I don't even have much to say. I love watching this kid. He he seems like a good kid. And and Dallas, I did not expect them to be kind of this offensive juggernaut that they've been this season. Um, obviously, the coaching change has has made a major difference there. Um, and and this guy's leading the charge. So um, I'm happy to see it. I I don't know. Where, do you is this sustainable? Do you what do you think? Like do you think this guy can continue this? Obviously, not the first overall all these stats, but I mean he, he's right up there, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I honestly do think he can sustain a large portion of it, uh, especially if he's going to see closer to 20 minutes than the uh, 17 and a half that's been his average uh, on the season so far. If he has kind of gotten to that level where he's going to sustain a higher uh, average time on ice, if he's earned that trust with his coach then definitely you kind of like to get that elite ceiling that hundred plus point ceiling you almost have to be in that range right you almost have to be up around that 20 minutes a night Um, just by sheer volume how the numbers work out it's pretty pretty tough to uh, be up there if you're not getting that volume he is right now we'll see obviously if it continues Uh, It's pretty interesting to look at uh, Robertson's first three years in the league. So his first year was the COVID-shortened year where he only got into 51 games, but he had 45 points. uh, Really strong rookie showing. Then the next year he comes back, 74 games played, and he puts up 79 points. And takes a step in the uh, shots per 60. Takes a pretty big step, actually, in the individual scoring chances for per 60. But I don't know if anybody really could have seen uh, this coming, what he's been able to put up so far. Like, not only has he improved, but the on-ice context has improved. It's all just coming together for him right now. Um, As far as uh, rest of season point pace, I definitely put it over 100 at this point. Uh, I feel like you have to, just given what he's been able to show us so far. Um, yeah, 100 to 110 points. I, I really don't feel like that's an unreasonable point pace for Robertson rest of season. And yeah, I'm really hoping that uh, he keeps up the time on ice. He keeps up at mm-hmm. least uh, a portion of these crazy rate stats that he's been able to put up so far. But yeah, right now I'm just uh, kind of sitting back and enjoying watching him because uh, it's, it's truly awesome to see someone ascend to superstar status in such a short period of time
1: yeah i mean you can't deny that at this point um i, I was actually looking up salaries like h- how about D- dallas locking this guy down for four years at at what, what was the salary like 7.75 or something something i mean like this that yeah this is the signing of the decade you know what i mean like what yeah i was looking at some of the players that are ahead of him, like josh norris logan couture skinner yeah uh, <laughs> and ekman larson has yeah, is getting paid more than this amount. what <laughs> the hell Jason Robertson, this this is unbelievable. Good for Dallas, and and this is they're looking great this year. I'm interested to see uh, how they go.
0: Absolutely, yeah. We've got a comment here from Shane. Dallas still have Stankoven. Wyatt Johnson will grow. Maverick Bork. Yep, coming too. that team is going to stay good. Dynasty Gold. There, absolutely agree with everything there. Do you think that Dallas is building the right way now? They still have some tough contracts. That Sagan contract is going to be a tough one. But when you can lock down a superstar for four years like Robertson at 7.75, yeah, that uh, that buys you some time too. So if they can get some contributions from kids on, on the uh, entry-level contracts, and they could really make a serious run, especially with Ottinger and Goal. It seems like they've got a lot of the pieces you need right now. So definitely think Dallas is on the trend upwards.
1: Yeah, I love it. And I think it's pronounced stank oven. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope that's true. There's a pause in there. I'm pretty
0: sure that I've uh, heard it pronounced the other way. That's really. My last thing's creamer, so who
1: cares?
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's keep it rolling. Let's talk about a couple of guys from St. Louis. We'll start with Pavel Buchnevich, also nine points in his last five games, four goals. 18.05 average time on ice, 82% IPP, 33% shooting percentage, and 19.3% on ice shooting percentage. So definitely some unsustainability in those metrics. You get into the advanced stuff, and it starts to look not quite so hot. Respectable, but not quite so hot. 148th in shots per 60, 118th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. Mm -hmm. Go over to the on-ice side, 157th in Corsi 4, 41st in scoring chances, 4 per 60. So a little bit of an uptick there. So Buchnevich's numbers underlying are, I would say, good, not great uh, at this point. He's run hot after running cold, so I kind of feel like this is a little bit of him just kind of evening out um, where he was earlier in the season to where he is now. And if you look at it over the course of the full season, maybe it doesn't look so crazy, right? Do you have a, a big pronouncement on Bucinavich moving forward? What do you view him as?
1: Yeah, it's hard um, with these St. Louis forwards. Just, just the team in general. I, I don't have a lot of confidence for whatever reason, and these numbers sort of back it up, right? It's a little bit different for the next player we're talking about, but um, yeah, but to me, yeah, it just screams like he, he's overachieving, right? Um, you know, he's come back off injury. He's given the team a little bit of a spark, right? Um, and you know, it coincided with them going on a little bit of a streak, right? So things are going well for that team right now, but you know, prior to that, they lost seven games in a row. Right. And they look like garbage. So yeah. I don't know. I remember Bachnevich when he was with uh, New York Rangers. And that's kind of how I identify him. It's like kind of the, right. the sidekick to like better players. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he, he was there with the on the, on that line. And I had both of them on my team. It was killer. That game where Zibanejad got like six points or seven points. It was just obscene. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not really here for it. I, I'm glad he's doing well. And, uh, you know, but the the players on St. Louis, I don't know. There's something about it. It's just not matching up. And then when I look at the advanced stats, like you're saying, it kind of it kind of tells the story, right? I think this is gonna this is gonna kind of even out. I think we're looking at a 70 point player, 65-70 point player, maybe with Butch Nevis there.
0: Yep, yeah, I don't disagree much. I might even go a little lower rest of the season. Um, Ooh, might go like 60-65 instead of 65-70, but I'm in the same ballpark as you for sure. Uh, I think this is kind of who Bucinavich is. He gets hot, um, he'll have stretches like this. He's definitely Streaky. good enough to have stretches like this. Um, but, yeah, if you can sell Buchnevich just based off this and sell that he's, you know, kind of arriving back at some higher level of play, then I would definitely be interested in doing that. If not, then I think Bucinavich is a plenty rosterable player rest of season, um, but I do think you'll probably have to deal with some ups and downs because I don't think he's a... He's not like a point-per-game guy that you're just going to set and forget uh, all your rest of the season and never even think about looking at his stats. So we got another comment here that I want to get to. This is from JR. Thoughts on Nick Suzuki and his great pace right now? And yeah, so his points on the season, 24 points in 21 games, above a point per game. It's pretty, uh, pretty good stuff from Nick Suzuki. His average time on ice, 20 minutes, 40 seconds, pretty in line actually with uh, where he was last year 20 minutes 30 seconds his shots for 60 is slightly down but definitely in the same ballpark as last year IPP in the same ballpark as last year actually very consistent across those two metrics um, for Suzuki the shooting percentage is really what's driving a lot of this for Suzuki right now he's up at 26 percent uh, his previous career high was 13.6 percent so almost double and so really, that's what you're looking at, I think, uh, with Suzuki. And as a result of him having such a high individual shooting percentage, his on-ice shooting percentage is also very high at 15%, where he's been more like a 10, 10.5% on-ice player previously. I don't see a lot, you know, in the uh, on-ice numbers that suggest that even though, you know, we talk about Cole Caulfield being there and that being a great marriage between the two, in his on-ice numbers, there's not really a suggestion that uh, that marriage is really raising the on ice floor for Suzuki Uh, it looks pretty similar to what he had last year overall so I don't really see that as a as a huge argument moving forward sure uh, Caulfield may be able to you know carry that line when Suzuki's cold and Suzuki will be able to get in a few lucky points maybe uh, in that way But overall, I think that uh, Suzuki is definitely looking at uh, some regression moving forward here, just particularly in the goals uh, section of things. I don't know if you got uh, big thoughts on Nick Suzuki, but that's where I'm at. If I could sell high on Suzuki right now, that's what I'd be doing. He's like a young Pavel
1: Bucinavich right there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I like Suzuki, but I agree with everything he said. My my favorite thing about Suzuki is is his deployment. It's insane. Mm -hmm. 21 minutes, I mean, you know, rate stats are not like, yeah, that, that shooting percentage will go down. There's no question about that. So the goals will drop off. I mean, but he's still going to be out there 20, 21 minutes a night. So if you're in a category league, I mean, actually he's not giving you too much per besides uh, uh, not even very many shots actually. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's going to regress a little bit, but when you're out there for 21 minutes playing with guys like Cole Caulfield, you're going to get some points. So it depends on what you need for your team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think realistically, it's just about expectations moving forward. He's a he's a plain fine player, uh, similar to Vucevic in a lot of ways, actually, in terms of how I view him. Rest of season, um, sixty five points. Maybe he's got a little more upside than Vucevic, you could say. Um, maybe up to seventy points, I could see him getting there. Pretty uh, at this point on the season, he's probably almost definitely going to get there just because of how hot the start was Um, but in terms of a point pace rest of season um, yeah 65 70 points is would be a little bit more in line with what I'm expecting not uh, this like 85 90 point pace that he's been on so far Uh, we alluded to it earlier but the third player we want to talk about in the performing well section is also from St. Louis Jordan Cairo also nine points in his last five games played three of those are goals 17 minutes 10 seconds average time on ice he does also sport that 90 percent IPP 14 percent shooting percentage not outlandish 17.5 percent on ice shooting percentage is quite high the individual stats look very good for kairu so he's 12th in shots per 60 and 6th in individual scoring chances for per 60 over these last five games Uh, the team context not quite so good 131st in on-ice Corsi 4 per 60, 45th in scoring chances 4 per 60. So in terms of rate stats, Kyrou's definitely uh, performing extremely well. And uh, I'm pretty bullish on Kairu just as a player overall. Um, he doesn't do a lot peripherally, so he's definitely more of a points league uh, kind of player. He's not going to hit uh, basically at all, actually. He's almost a net negative in that Category, so uh, do take that into consideration. Um, I was, I was kind of hoping that we'd see another step from Cairo in terms of time on ice. So it's a little bit, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit sad to me. I guess you would say, just given where I roster him. Um, that he's not, you know, sustaining an 18 plus average time on ice. That's what I was really hoping to see from Kairu this season. But definitely, you can't complain with the production so far this season. And I do think that Kyrou is at least a point per game player uh, for me. Rest of season. What about you, Blake? Where do you have him?
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, I and I absolutely agree with that time on ice. I mean, you know, that's my my favorite stat. It's the simple, simple man stat. And that's what I am. I'm a simple man. Um, so yeah, I want to see him playing more, you know, his last, last four games, even five games, 15 minutes, 18 minutes, 18 minutes, 16 minutes, 16 minutes. And he's, he's performing well. I mean, the guy's he's crushing right now, but, um, like you said too, that those team stats that you're talking about, like it feels like every player on St. Louis is like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they great offense, no defense, right? They're there. They can't stop the shots. They can't stop the chances against right they're They're this weird run and gun team and they're not giving you peripherals mostly. So, um, yeah, I, I stayed away from a lot of the same, those guys. Uh, well, that's a lie. I picked up uh, Robert Thomas, uh, but he's basically like Kairou that's, you know, he he's, he's a very similar player, right? He's a points mm-hmm. league player. He's not going to hit anybody. Um, so yeah, I, I, I heard some stuff too early on with Kairou that he was kind of, grading on people's nerves and on the team and stuff. So I I always kind of just perk up to things like that because it's going to affect deployment. It's going to affect, you know, how the coach decides to put him out and what positions to put him out. And I don't know, look, look at his ice time. Like you're, you want to see these guys up around 19 minutes, 19, Mm -hmm. 20 minutes, and he's just not getting it. Right. And the interesting thing though, too, is like, who's getting that on the, on the blues. Like is Ryan O'Reilly getting that? I haven't looked, but um, it, it doesn't seem Tarasenko. another guy, like, Give the man some minutes, get him the hell out there, uh, and he'll do what he does like 40 goals, boom. No, we're going to play him 16 minutes a night. You know, it's like, why are you doing this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of always been the case a little bit with St. Louis that they just don't play anyone at that level. Like Buchnevich, yeah, yeah, I'll just run through the top uh, Mm -hmm. ice time getters. Robert Thomas 1923, Buchnevich 1838, O'Reilly 18 minutes, and then Kairo's right there 1755, Tarasenko 1753. So they're they run a lot of guys in that yeah 18 to 19 minute range. I think probably some of that is penalty kill for a couple of these guys too. So you got to take that away. Um, but you know, yeah, Robert Thomas, the highest one gets a minute and 11 of penalty kill time per game. So you can kind of subtract that, and he's back right in that 18-minute range. So a lot of these guys, they play in that 18-minute range for St. Louis. Um, Just kind of, yeah, I guess they don't view their players as one being so significantly better than the other that they deserve those kind of minutes. And I think at this point, we kind of just have to accept that that's how they're going to be deployed yep. unless unless there is something like a coaching change coming to St. Louis. They've been able to win even despite their truly terrible advanced stats. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't see that continuing yeah. for a long time, but uh, as long as it does, they aren't going to make a coaching change. So for the time being, I think we're stuck with it.
1: These coaches do not care about fantasy hockey. I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> he really does. That's just, that's just that's just hurtful. All
0: right, let's move on. <laughs> All right, number four, Jeff Skinner. um mm. This is basically just going to be a victory lap for me here, but he's got four goals <laughs> yeah. and seven points in his last five games. Seventeen minutes, twenty seconds average time on ice. Seventy percent IPP, twenty-two percent shooting percentage, fourteen point one percent on ice shooting percentage on the high side, but not extreme um, on ice stats. Individual stats, they all look good. 32nd in shots per 60, 73rd in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 22nd in on ice Corsi 4 per 60, 36th in on ice scoring chances, 4 per 60. Yeah, I've been on Skinner for a while. I've, I've probably everyone's really sick of me saying 30 to 35 goals, 60 to 65 points. I actually think that that ceiling might be higher now with the emergency of yeah. Tage Taumont tage thompson here and the way buffalo is playing as a team rasmus dalin elevating his game um i actually kind of think skinner might even have a higher ceiling than i originally thought so i'm all about skinner um talk me down off the cliff though because i'm just uh riding high with my guy jeff skinner here
1: hell no i'm with you man i've been singing this man's praises for a week um i drafted him into i drafted him i feel good about that i drafted him in two leagues uh way late um you know People are sleeping on this guy. I mean, I I didn't expect this. I expect, you know, 60 points, maybe 25, 30 goals. That's what I was looking for to draft him at that point. So, um, like you said, though, Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dallin, um, they're getting some, you know, uh, just some – Alex Tuck, the guy's playing awesome. I mean, I think it's just – it's kind of a team thing. But but Tage Thompson, to me, is really the one – like, I'm sure you've noticed his his stats. Like, some of his offensive rate stats are, are elite. You know mm-hmm. he's up there with guys like Pasternak and Matthews and like and and Kaliev right? and go. Jason Robertson. Uh, yeah, and Jason Robertson, <laughs> right? So, uh, and he, yeah, I'm a big Tage Thompson fan, and so I think, yeah, Skinner's he's always been a very talented player. I mean, but I I didn't expect this, and and obviously this is bolstered by a massive five point game, right? Um, yeah. you know what what we're talking about, but he looked good in that game, and mm-hmm. it didn't seem out of place. It wasn't like you know he's just fluking out like you know these are beautiful plays. He's sniping. He's making sick passes. So yeah, I like. I, um, I expected sixty points. I'm thinking more like seventy five now. I think yep. that's reasonable. I mean, depending on what what happens with Buffalo, but I think seventy to eighty is is very reasonable for this player. Yep.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that the ceiling has improved. You see the emergence when you get a guy like Tage Thompson taking his play to that level. Um, you can make your own proclamations about how sustainable you think that is in terms of the rate stats for the rest of the season if you think he can yeah basically just sustain elite levels of play all season long um for me he's done it for 20 games this season and it's pretty hard for me to yeah. keep finding reasons to knock him on it it's um, a good chunk of time it's a good chunk of time and it's it's an ascending player right like you mm-hmm. look at uh you're you're not looking at a guy who's like played at one level for five straight years and is suddenly out of new out of nowhere just um yep. achieving some new level. It's an ascending player in the league and um you watch the guy play and the like yeah. he's just physically dominant the way Matthews is um I didn't so, realize yeah, how big he is. He, he's massive. Yeah, he's a monster. I didn't so know that you, actually. <laughs> yeah. So when you have a guy like that, um that just instantly raises Uh, the floor for everyone around you and the ceiling. Um, So, yeah, I think that's really where Skinner fits in. I don't think Skinner is like an elite level talent on his own right, but he's definitely a top line player in the league, a top line scorer anyway in the league. I've heard lots of people talk about his defensive woes, but that doesn't matter for us in fantasy. We're just looking for those sweet, sweet points. And I think Skinner's got lots more in the
1: tank. And he can do a triple axel as well. So there you go. (laughs) There you go. Beautiful. Let's keep
0: rolling. Philip Hronik is the last guy we're going to talk about in this performing well section, but we really have to touch on it. The guy's got five goals and eight points in his last five games played from the blue line. 21 minutes and 54 seconds average time on ice, rocking a 67% IPP, a 42% shooting percentage, and a 19% on-ice shooting percentage tad unsustainable in the uh, in the luck metrics there, as you might expect. But <laughs> yeah. um, does have some decent metrics uh, to go along with this as well. 28th among defensemen in shots per 60 over those last five games. 10th in individual nice. uh, coursey 4 per 60. 33rd in on-ice coursey 4 per 60 and 61st in on-ice scoring chances 4 per 60. So um, not like he's ascended to elite-level uh, defenseman status, but definitely um, these are good numbers, I would say. Uh, he's throwing lots of pucks at the net and lately they've been going in on the season he's got 18 points in 20 games Uh, where do you see all this shaking out with Hronik he's not even on the top power play or Mm -hmm. what looks like the top power play right now in Detroit Uh, Siders reclaimed that role but uh, what do you think about Hronik Uh, I think obviously you're holding him at this point would you be trying to sell high on him at this point or are you just hanging on for dear life and enjoying the ride
1: Geez, that's a good question. Um, I don't know because uh, I had I, I have Cider in a couple couple uh teams that I have, and it's been underwhelming. And mm-hmm. Hronik had the top power play at, at some point in this year. So I I feel good about it. Is he he's doing this on the second power play with his current minutes, and and obviously, like you said, his shooting percentage is not sustainable. That's going to come down, right? But he does everything else. Um, he's getting deployment. Um yeah, I I like it um especially this week coming up Detroit has an amazing schedule I think he's only like 63 percent rostered or something on Yahoo so uh correct me if I'm wrong but um yeah I think he, he's in the 60s so he might be you might be able to pick him up this week Detroit has an amazing schedule this this guy should be rostered at 100 this week um, but yeah I, I think it's besides the shooting percentage which is gonna come down I think it's definitely sustainable he's a player I'm interested in um, and he's probably you know I've got Hedman just sitting on my bench like every night. This guy's a dingus. Uh, I'd rather have Hronik. Honestly, but I can't drop Hedman for Hronik. It doesn't make any sense, but yep. he's outplaying him, right? This is a this is an elite defenseman, and Hronik's playing much better than him. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting for sure. Um, I Yeah, I definitely don't think there's uh, a lot here with Hronik that's super sustainable uh, right off the numbers for the last five games. But on the season, like... The on-ice context is not that great. Detroit's still not, uh, like, they're improved, but they're still not a top-half team even yeah. uh, in terms of offensive firepower. And heronic is just running really hot right now. Um, so I don't really see this sustaining uh, a whole lot. That being said, Hronik has historically maintained a, a pretty high IPP, so he's factored in on a fair number of Um, his team's goals when he's on the ice Uh, so I do think that uh, as Detroit improves so does Hronik um, and a little bit more than your average defenseman in that regard Mm -hmm. so I do think that there's like, Hronik, I think, will be fantasy-relevant rest of season, basically, I guess, is where I'm landing on this. Um, nice, you know, whatever yeah. that looks like, 45 points, maybe point pace rest of season. Um, I do think that's sustainable. If you can sell them for more than that um, in your league right now, then I definitely would. I don't know if you can. Um, I think most people are pretty hip to that situation there. more Cider has gotten a lot of press, and um, most people are watching Cider pretty closely, which kind of means they know what where Hronik's at in terms of deployment. So... I'm not sure that you can really uh, sell high on Hronik here, but I also don't think that you have to. I think that you've got a defenseman here who's um, going to be valuable at the very least for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree.
0: Alright, before we get into players performing poorly, I do have to remind you to check out the Apples and Genos Discord server. We've got hundreds of like-minded fantasy managers in there. You can talk to them, bounce off your crazy trade ideas or whatever you may have. You get latest news and content alerts in there as well. If you're looking for someone to help you out with those crucial waiver wire pickups each week, you can check out the Apples and Geno's Patreon also in the show description. Five bucks a month gets you a weekly waiver wire article and analysis podcast by yours truly. and the people are telling me that it's uh it's been helpful so far this year so i'm getting a little bit of validation back there on that front so definitely reach out if you're interested if you want to know a little bit more about what that looks like then reach out to myself and i'd be happy to give you an example of what that might look like and see if that's a good fit for you and your fantasy season hell yes right (laughs) both those links are in the show description Let's get into the players that are performing poorly. Though, we got to talk about Nazem Kadri. Uh, zero points in his last five games played. Uh, Sixteen twenty-six average time on ice. That's not a great look. on-ice shooting percentage, so that's on the low side. But Kadri isn't doing himself any favors here here either. 142nd in shots per 60, 133rd -hmm. in individual uh, scoring chances, 4 per 60. Team context, even worse, 259th in Corsi, 4 per 60, and 364th in scoring chances, Mm 4 per 60. Um, I'm... I just really don't know what to do with Calgary at this point. I didn't have a great projection on him coming out, uh, so I don't have him anywhere. I'm pretty happy about that at this point, but I don't. I don't even really feel like I should be going out to acquire him, even though he's so cold right now, and you could probably get him for pennies on the dollar. I just really don't know what the ceiling is in Calgary this year. I'm feeling very uncomfortable with the whole situation. You're closer. You're geographically closer to Calgary, Blake, so I'm gonna <laughs> lean on you here. What? what I'm basically there. Yeah.
1: A <laughs> um, Calgary very frustrating team this year. Um, yeah, I, I was talking about this uh, the other day with someone, just how um, all their, the pieces they brought in are, are, are all kind of being minimized, you know. Um, but that said, I'm talking more about Uyghur and Huberto. To me, Kadri was a prime uh, candidate for regression. Uh, I, I didn't draft him. That's the only way to get away from this. I didn't draft him because mm. I, I just in he, he was clearly like it was the situation you know, he was top power play in Colorado with elite players. So you take that away. Yeah. He still has some good players in Calgary for sure. But um, yeah, it, this is just a prime example of like the guy cashed in on his one big season, his contract year, and then he's going to float off into the sunset. You know what I mean? I've I've never been a big cadre fan. I I, I like him in the playoffs. I do until he gets suspended. Um, You (laughs) know, he's, he's the kind of player you want on your team in those moments, but, as, as far as fantasy goes, I'm not interested at all. You know, he used to, he, he used to hit too. He used to, um, you know, give you some perifs and stuff like that. And, and last year he kind of got away from that and much more uh, actually, what am I talking about? He's been away from it for the last like four years. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I, I stayed away from Kadri. I, I had, I've seen in a couple leagues that I'm in, he's been dropped. Guys are dropping Nazem Kadri. So I mean, that's sort of where we're at. Is it a buy low? Maybe, but you have to manage your expectations. Like, what do you what are you hoping to get back? Right, mm-hmm. you're not going to get back Nazem Kadri from last year. You're going to get, you know, this 55 point player this year. You know, yep. that's that's probably where he's at. You know, he's a second line player playing on the power play. Not really. I mean, he's hitting a little bit more this year, but still, I'm not impressed. All right.
0: <laughs> yeah i I just looked it up at a 64 point. Pace projected for Kadri at the beginning of the year um even that's looking a little optimistic yeah I'm probably more in line with you 55 maybe at this point um just given how bad Calgary looks um that's not to say they they couldn't turn it around um they did obviously have a ton of turnover on that team and like high-end turnover too it's not like they changed out their bottom six like they changed out pretty much everybody in their top six and obviously Mackenzie Wieger a big piece there as well but um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not bullish on Kadri. I'm really gonna have to see it before I believe it with him at this point. And not not necessarily in terms of like scoring goals and getting assists, but in terms of the advanced stats. I really need mm-hmm. him to come yeah. back up to you know he he did it in Toronto. He did it in Colorado. So was that just because those were good teams? I tend to think that he's a he's a decent player underneath it all, better at least than what we're seeing right now. But yeah, I think he's doesn't have a terrifically high ceiling even at this point. Like maybe that 64 point pace is more towards the ceiling at this point. So yeah, I'm just really not interested unless I really start to see those advanced stats start to bounce back. And then maybe I'll go looking uh, if there's still a deal to be had on Kadri at that point.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely agree.
0: All right. Number two, Tyson Berry also zero points in his last five games played. He's got 18 minutes 57 seconds average time on ice through those games, just a 4.8% on ice shooting percentage. So that's obviously quite low and should regress, should get close to double that, honestly. Um, 33rd among defensemen in shots per 60 and 36th in individual Corsi 4 per 60 over those last five games. 36th in on ice Corsi 4 per 60. 63rd in scoring chances 4 per 60. Uh, Bouchard had a couple goals there. Um, in the, other, in the last game for Edmonton. So, you know, Bouchard is always, that's always the thing in Edmonton. It's the willy won'ty with Bouchard waiting in the wings to ostensibly take over that top power play from Barry, which is where he derives pretty much all of his fantasy value. Um, if you have Barry right now anywhere, what are we doing with Barry?
1: You hold. All right. What are you doing? I've seen Tyson Barry dropped in so many spots. It's like you, you drafted this guy in like the late hundred, you know, like 180, like, you know, this is, this is, you hold, you hold Tyson Berry, um, you know, like, like you're saying the advanced stats, they don't look terrible. Right. And, you know, I was digging into this guy a little deeper. I mean, you know, what was really rough is his ice time over the last, you know, I think he had, what is that? One, two, three. Yeah. Like seven games straight of under, of under 20 minutes of ice, you know? So that's the bad news. The good news is he played 23 minutes last game right? Um, and he's still, even on even strength, he still has access to these players. Um, I think what you drafted Tyson Berry for, you're going to get that, but you kind of have to hold like Evan Bouchard gets two goals and everybody panics, right? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not there for it. I'm, I'm holding Tyson Berry wherever I can. Um, you know, if someone drops him, I might look at my team and see if he's better than my worst defenseman. Um, yeah. he's Especially in points leagues, right? Points yep. leagues, no question. Like the, 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 you're not dropping Tyson Berry. But, you know, Cats Leagues, maybe you can find other guys out there that are getting you more what you need. But I I think it's it might be, um, you know, uh, one day it's Bouchard, one day it's Barry. He's going to get his time on the power play with Connor McDavid and those guys. So hold on to him. I I, I don't uh, I don't get the drop on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I think
0: I'm exactly in line with that. Uh, I'm holding Barry if I have him anywhere. The cost to acquire with Barry was not high, so it's not like you had uh, super high investment in him. He's probably like your fourth defenseman. Um, So you keep him there because one of these games he's going to go off for three power play points and you're going to be cursing yourself that you let him go um in the meantime yeah it sucks but as long as he's on the top power play in edmonton like yeah that's the best power play in the league like you you just can't like as long as he's there he has to be rostered yes it's gonna hurt in some games because he's gonna have stretches like this where he goes completely quiet um, but he's also gonna have stretches where he wins you your week so you're Mm -hmm. just gonna have to kind of take the good with the bad with barry until you actually see it with your eyes that Bouchard is on that top power play and Barry is off. I think that's what you got to do.
1: You know what's funny about fantasy is people expect players to produce every night. And if they don't produce every night, it's like get get him the hell out of here. Like what no, <laughs> we're talking about a season, right? You drafted him at a season ranking, right? And if he kind of touches that ranking, you got to wait for the whole season to see that, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're doing buy lows, sell highs and you're trying to maximize value. But in this case you you got him so late i mean you're probably going to get more value than what you drafted him at so my two cents
0: yep absolutely agree number three another calgary player we got to talk about mckenzie wieger one assist in his last five games played uh under 20 minutes average time on ice 33% 33% IPP, obviously a 0% shooting percentage, and 5.5% on-ice shooting percentage through those five games. The shots have started to come back. So he's 13th in shots per 60 and 19th in individual Corsi 4 per 60 over these last five games. 53rd in on-ice Corsi 4 per 60, 110th in on-ice scoring chances 4 per 60 is weaker. So on Wednesday's pod that I did with Josh – I did talk about Weegar as a drop, and he promptly came back with basically his <laughs> best two games of like the past month, um, in terms of the advanced stats. Anyway, um, so I'm kind of back left in the middle with Weegar. I really don't think that the ceiling is there anymore, but he yep. still might be better than you know whoever else is out there on the waiver wire. So you're kind of left in this limbo with Uyghur, at least that's how I'm feeling. Uh, I still have him in one league. Uh, I would have dropped him last week if it had made sense just for my team, but it didn't. Um, And now I'm kind of back into this spot where the shots came back a little bit and shots get me a fair amount of points in this league. So I'm like, okay, you know, there's nobody out there that I'm dying to have. Um, I'm just going to hang on to Uyghur for another week and just see how it goes again. But yeah, the fact that he can't even find his way onto the second power play unit, I'm just going to double check and make sure he didn't find his way back. Yeah, still no power play time for Mackenzie Weger. Not that that's been super valuable in the Flames so far this year, but uh, over the course of the season, you'd hope that that would be the case. That ceiling case where he was on the power play one seems to be um, just a faint memory at this point. I think Rasmus Anderson has kind of taken a step this year and kind of locked down that role a little bit. And even if he didn't, even if he got injured or something, I think Noah Hannafin would be second in line. Mm -hmm. So really, I don't think there's a ceiling case for Uyghur, but he still might be just good enough to hang on the back end of your roster at this point. I don't know if you're feeling kind of defeated with Uyghur the same way I am, but that's kind of
1: where I'm at. Yep, I'm um, no I'm absolutely with you. I drafted him in a lot of spots and even in a k- cupful uh, league I drafted him high cuz mm-hmm. I was I had first pick. So like I had to kind of reach for some players and I was like, "Well, I need peripherals, I need and like I really thought, yeah, like we all did, like, oh, he'll get his shot on the power play to, and look at this power play, look at these guys and it hasn't materialized and and then the peripherals went away as well. Like everything's kind of just gone away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I haven't dropped him because I, I, I again I I I spent a lot of draft capital picking him up. He was a player that I really thought was going to, was going to thrive there and it just hasn't happened. But I do like to see those rate stats and and some of those, those stats coming back. Um, Even if he's not producing like, you know, that just shows me that it'll come. Right. And and like we said earlier about Calgary, when you throw in all these, the high end turnover that, that they've had, it's going to take a while. Right. And then you got, you know, Daryl Sutter as your coach, this old school dinosaur. I mean, I don't know, mm-hmm. like what, what is that kind of, you know, how does that affect these kind of players? Right. Sure. Um, I seen even Huberto recently, like, you know, or with that comment that uh, that Sutter made about him going to the bathroom or whatever, that was a while ago, but I think there's a little bit of like tension there, you know? So mm-hmm. things aren't going great in Calgary. I'm not dropping Weger, but come on, buddy, Mackie weeks. Give me something, baby. Give me, give me uh, give me a, give me a Gino. Can you give me one Gino?
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's keep it rolling. We got to talk about capo Kako here. One goal in his last five games played, uh, just 14 minutes, 55 seconds, average time on ice, 33% IPP, 8% shooting percentage, 9.1% on ice shooting percentage. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about Kako here is because his individual stats actually look not too bad lately. Uh, 81st in shots per 60, that's uh, 9.7 shots per 60, so just below that 10 shots per 60 rate that I like to see. 70th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. That's 10.5, which is actually above that rate that I like to see. The on-ice context, truly terrible. 317th in Corsi, 4 <laughs> yeah. per 60. 335th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. He's been back down on the third line. Um, the Rangers have been going back to, I think they call it like the kid line with the Kittle and um, Lafreniere. And that line uh, has not been kind to Kako. Um but the upside with Kako uh, has always been that he gets on one of those top lines and really clicks hasn't happened. It's been a while and we've been expecting it a high pedigree player second overall in his draft year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't really happened, but he has shown glimpses. Uh, he's gone through stretches like this before where the advanced stats creeped up. Um, and I've kind of perked my ears up a little bit and thought, you know, maybe this is finally the time where Kako takes that next step. Um, I really think that for long-term success, you're probably talking about an injury to uh, somebody in the top power play that he gets a chance on um, in terms of him being a long-term hold. But I am interested, just given the advanced stats, given the draft pedigree uh, with Kako, in a week like this where the Rangers have four games and three off nights upcoming, uh, if you're in a deeper league, Kako's only 5% rostered. despite the fact that he hasn't really done anything. He's got the one goal in his last five games. I am in, I am still interested in Kako taking one more shot uh, just to see if he is able to put something together to move up in the lineup um, to impress the, the coach and do all the good things that uh, we want for fantasy. I don't know, am I holding out too much hope for Kako or uh, is there still something to be said for this guy?
1: Uh, yeah, I think in his career for sure. I'm not sure if it's going to be this year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, this, this won't be your last shot at kakawe You'll, you'll be back. All right. Um, <laughs> good, uh, good week for him too. So like, like you mentioned there, um, yeah, I just, I haven't been impressed with him just from, from the eye test when I watch, like, you know, I, I was happy that that kid line was doing well in the playoffs last year. That was nice to see. And I thought that would sort of, you know, transition over into this season, but you know, Lafreniere had a little bit of a, a, a good stretch there. And, but Kako, I mean, him and Lafreniere, they're just not really, not really putting it together, uh, regular season wise. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like I've been burned too many times by this guy. Like I, I remember is uh, when he came into the league, his first season, I picked him up on a team. Like uh, I drafted him, you know, I was like, Oh, this guy's he's ready to go. He's big. He's you know, they're going to give them some opportunity. And, and it was just so stinky, you know, and nothing's changed, unfortunately. Um, and I don't know what it is. Like, I think there's something too with the Rangers organization, the way they develop prospects, like how do you have a guy like lafrine and then Kako and, and, and do nothing with them and don't put them in positions to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they have a great team and a good top six, a very good top six, but like get these guys on the first power play or, or just add a couple minutes out there, put them on the penalty kill. Like let's, let's get their Let's get them on the ice. Let's let them make mistakes and figure it out. You know? And I just feel like Kako hasn't got that opportunity um, consistently anyway. So I don't know, like you said, deep leagues, definitely pick them up. Great uh, schedule for the Rangers. And uh, I don't know, maybe he can parlay this, these advanced stats into actual stats. That would be great to see. Yeah.
0: Well, you know the Rangers really got to find room for Jimmy Vc in their top six. So yeah, Hobie Baker did he, keep... did he win that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I remember that. Game, yeah, man. like we're gonna get Jimmy Vc. Oh my goodness, this is gonna be amazing. <laughs> the Jimmy Vc sweepstakes. Nice. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that sums it up on Kako. Uh, it's really just uh, yeah. It seems like prospect mismanagement at this point with the Rangers because they've had they've had a couple people. We've got David in the chat saying he hates seeing Trochek with VC and Goodrow. Yeah, they loaded up the top line Zabana Jag, yeah. Kreider, Panarin, to try to get stuff going, but that left Trochek with VC and Goodrow, which is uh yeah. If that's uh if that's what your top six is looking like, uh that's a little sketchy now.
1: Yeah, they're just disrespecting my man Vinny Tro. I don't like that. All right. This this man's a legend. You're putting Thank him you. with VC? Come on. <laughs>
0: All right, let's get into the last player, Chandler Stevenson. One assist his last five games played, 20 minutes average time on ice, 20% IPP, 0% shooting percentage, 7.5% on ice shooting percentage. Uh, Stevenson has never been a guy who pops in the individual stats, 362nd in these last five games in shots per 60, 261st in an individual scoring chances, 4 per 60 Uh, But honestly, the all-nice context, not all that much better. 194th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 166th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. I think there's a perception of Vegas being a really, really good elite team just based on their record. And I'm not sure that that perception is really as um, close to real life as uh, most think it is. So, um, yeah, I'm a little bit leery of Stevenson here. I do think he's plenty rosterable in most leagues. Um, but I'm curious your thoughts on Stevenson. Do you have him anywhere?
1: Um, no, I've, I've streamed him in here and there. Like when Vegas has a good schedule, he's a, he's a great streamer. I I think that's his level. Um, you know, he's sort Mm -hmm. of performing to the way that I thought he was going to perform this year. I mean, if you look even just his, his pace, 68 points this year, 66 points last year, that's his pace right? There's nothing yep. blowing the doors down. Like he, he doesn't shoot very much. Um, doesn't hit, doesn't block, but he's playing with Jack Eichel. So, I mean, y- you gotta, you gotta give that a shot for, certainly for streaming, but yeah, I mean, these, these, these advanced stats are, that doesn't look too good. I like the time on ice. That's, that's excellent, but I don't know. It depends on what you need, right? Like it's, it's just one of those, uh, players that I think, if you want to sort of suffocate your opponent, you're with uh, games played. You're like, oh, I'll get mm-hmm. Chandler Stevenson in there, no problem. He can get me some shots, some hits, maybe an assist, a goal. Who knows? But he's certainly not an inspiring player, and I don't think he's going to be much more than this. You know, what I mean, I don't think we're going to all of a sudden be like, whoa, Chandler Stevenson, he's he's pulling a J. Rob. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Like, yeah. <laughs> no, that's not happening, right? So. Um, and I, I know what you mean about Vegas too I think I really think they, they have amazing defense in Vegas and they're and Logan Thompson is playing great this season so that's mm-hmm. a nice story I think that's really kind of pulling them up to the level like or the perception that you're talking about where people think they're this this great team they're still an expansion team to me they still like yeah. they have that <laughs> kind of Carolina St Louis feel or C- Seattle now obviously like it's like here's just a bunch of people that are all streamer level that are getting it done somehow you know what I mean it's like yeah, yeah I'm good for these guys
0: yeah. yeah, I think I'm there with you on Stevenson. Stevenson, I just checked, 78% rostered on Yahoo right now. So he's definitely above streamer level on Yahoo. And yeah, I'm much more inclined to feel like he's closer to streamer level than that. Definitely, I think he's worth rostering as long as he's attached to Jack Eichel. Um, and he is attached to him both at even strength and on the power play. Um, but when he's cold like this, man, because he's not... Uh, not like an individual play driver. It's really tough to hang on to him when the team goes cold, because he's not going to be the one who turns the ship around. Right. Um, So he really needs, he depends on Eichel uh, a lot for his production. So, Um, yeah, I wouldn't fault anyone for dropping him uh, if there was something really lucrative out there or if they needed to open a streaming spot. Um, I definitely think that's a fine move to make. Um, He will have some hot streaks where he gets a bunch of points, but, I mean, the guy hasn't scored a goal in eight games. Like, uh, you can probably do just as well out there on the wire. So that's going to conclude our performing poorly. I did want to talk about some team trends, uh, though, before we get out of here, because... Honestly, I've been seeing a lot of people talk about teams like Vegas um and they just seem to have this totally different view of vegas than i do and i don't know if it's just uh like a media thing like i honestly don't consume a lot of like uh big media in terms of the nhl overall i'm mostly just kind of into the stats all the time and uh that's basically the only place i get any information about the league Uh, obviously i still get like uh, roster updates and stuff like that from twitter and whatnot but um, in terms of media i don't read a ton of articles about teams or make broad proclamations about player projections based on something that I read. Uh, It's more about the stats for me. So um, yeah, I'm just gonna, I guess, basically share some observations that I've been getting and I'm gonna play a game with you here. So I've got the top six teams in even strength Corsi 4 per 60 over the last two weeks. There are three teams that are pretty obvious, and I think there are three here that are going to surprise some people, so I'm going to give you the obvious ones. The obvious ones, Florida, Carolina, and New Jersey. I think everybody probably would have been fairly unsurprised to see those, those three teams towards the top here, but the potential surprises i'm curious if you got any idea about who these teams might be that are close to the top of the league in even strength Corsi four per 60 over the last couple of weeks
1: all right uh this is just this is just unfair right here okay <laughs> so i'm going against the stat master um all right even strength Corsi four per 60 let's say i wrote it down um buffalo uh dallas and ottawa maybe
0: Two for three, so Ottawa and Buffalo are both there. Um, But the third one, yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's probably better than I would have done before I actually looked at these stats. So that's not based on anything on my end. So (laughs) the uh, third team there is not Dallas; it is Washington, uh, which is super surprising to me. I think uh, a lot of people, including myself, had a perception of the Capitals as kind of a washed-up old team and honestly they've been quite good like very very good honestly they're fourth in the league in Corsi four percentage at even strength over the last two weeks um so they're really actually kind of killing it right now um so i do think that uh we should probably uh you know look back at washington look back at ottawa look back at buffalo and uh you know, add a little bit more weight to their name. Don't discount these guys. I've heard people, you know, they talk about like streaming in a goalie against Buffalo, and I'm like, I don't think you want to do that, man. Like, yeah. Buffalo's a much better team than you think they are, and they generate a ton of chances. And it just takes that one game where Buffalo goes off like they did uh, this past week for seven goals in a game, and they come back the next night and ring up six goals. Like, those games are gonna be there with Buffalo just by sheer volume. Uh, all they need is a few bounces to go their way, and they're. Looking looking at a six goal night so
1: um actually that's so interesting i I like that correlation that you're making there just just for the listeners like look at those stats like you know the the even strength Corsi four per 60 you want to stream somebody in like just predicting what the what the game score might be right that that's an interesting way to do that i don't know if i've done that before so um i like that
0: yep uh, another few notes that I wanted to make just while we're here. San Jose, fourth in the league in scoring chances 4 per 60. Uh, they're out of the top 10 in Corsi 4 per 60, but in terms of actual scoring chances over these past couple weeks, San Jose's really doing it. Um, kind of just proving that all you need is some a few elite-level players and Meyer and Carlson, and they can kind of drive the bus. So um, definitely don't look past the Sharks in terms of what they can do offensively as well. Um, So, what's pretty interesting to me also while I was looking through these stats is uh, Ottawa, Carolina, and Washington are the bottom three teams in even strength shooting percentage. I think that's kind of where some of that perception comes from uh, with Washington and with Ottawa as well is that uh people just don't respect them because the goals haven't been there right they aren't seeing the underlying stats they're just seeing that the goals haven't quite been there so those numbers should rebound Ottawa and Washington should come up Carolina as well should come up they've i think most people just realize that Carolina is a bit snake bitten right now and uh those numbers should pop back up fairly fairly soon here. I don't think anybody's truly worried about Carolina's long-term ability to score goals, but uh, for the other two teams, there are Ottawa and Washington. I think uh, we're looking at some potential rebound for those two teams in terms of their even strength shooting percentages.
1: All right. We're going to do the Two out of three. Don't forget that everybody. All right. Yeah. I actually actually got Ottawa right from the show sheet. So here we go. That's fine.
0: (laughs) So we're going to go on to bottom six teams. Uh, in even strength Corsi against the last couple in the last couple of weeks here So these are some pretty bad teams obviously in terms of giving up chances against again We've got kind of three obvious teams that I think uh, people might have known about and then uh, three teams that may be not so obvious um, so the obvious teams that uh, I'm gonna bring up here are gonna be Columbus and then uh, Arizona and then Chicago uh, but there are three other teams that I don't think people are quite as tuned in on. And I want to see if you can guess those for me.
1: Well, I just have a feeling if you're having me guess this particular stat, one of the teams has to be the Vancouver Canucks. Got to be. Um, <laughs> uh, what else did I think? Um, Philly, maybe? And uh, oh, right down. Um, let's go St. Louis just because we just talked about those guys and how stinky their D is.
0: So one for three on this one. St. Louis is the one there. Um, Vancouver Vancouver. very close, very close actually just outside of this range. But the other two here are Vegas and the New York Islanders, which I really don't think that people are really respecting or disrespecting, I guess, how bad both these teams have been in terms of giving up chances against uh, the last little bit, at least at even strength. Um, So yeah, I I just, I just think that uh, people still have the perception of the Islanders as a defense first team um, that really limits their chances against, and uh, you can't score on them. Certainly Ilya Sorokin um, having another terrific year. um, So that's mitigating the actual goals, which is about what a lot of people go by. Um, But like all goalies, Sorokin will have his uh, his upswings and his downswings, um, but the Islanders are kind of hanging him out to dry a fair bit, to be honest with you. Um, and then Vegas shows up here. Uh, they're, after a pretty hot start where they were legitimately playing well, they really tailed off of late um, in terms of their um, Corsi 4 percentage, their seventh worst in the league over these last two weeks at even strength. Um, so they're really kind of in a bit of a tailspin. Uh, and I just don't think that people have that perception of them right now. Like they still think Vegas is a total wagon and they're just running people over. And that's really not the case, at least not an even strength. Um, so I'm not scared of streaming goalies against Vegas right now. Um, and I've done that uh, already. So I I think that people are, um, yeah, just sleeping a little bit on, uh, on these teams and what their recent performance is suggesting that you can and can't do um against them i guess for fantasy purposes
1: that's awesome yeah I, I would not have picked those teams that's for sure
0: yeah one other note that i did want to throw in here while we're talking about it is the new york rangers 27th in the league in scoring chances against per 60 they've really been giving up some uh some pretty solid chances against uh, so they're down at the bottom of this list as well it's really uh Yeah, it's being masked by the fact that they still have a decent offense, uh, definitely. But, yeah, they're not looking too hot either. They're down towards the bottom end of this. Middle of the road in terms of the Corsi against, but down towards the bottom in terms of scoring chances against. So something about their system isn't working where it's breaking down a bit too much. Um, And, yeah, that's what's happening to them at even strength. So, yeah, honestly not scared to go up against them even with... uh, Even Westchester Chesterkin in in that. You've seen it the last few weeks um, that uh, they've gotten to him a little bit too. Uh, He hasn't been uh, his usual elite goaltending self. All right, let's keep rolling. Let's get into power plays. The number one power play in the league on the season is Dallas by pretty much every advanced metric that you can look up. Um, I think it's pretty obvious what's going on here. We've talked about it already with Robertson, but uh, he's got – just terrific chemistry as well. Right. You we got Jamie Ben who's on a heater to end all heaters, uh, almost unbelievable.
1: That yeah, weird.
0: Um, and yeah, Robertson continuing his chemistry with Rupa hints and Joe Pavelski and then Miro Heiskanen really elevating that unit, in my opinion, as well, taking over from John Klingberg, um, so yeah number one power play in the league is dallas don't see that going away anytime soon i think they've they know what they have and as long as those five guys are together it's really going to continue to click um at the level of you know like these edmontons these colorados these torontos Mm -hmm. these teams that we expect to be uh, towards the top of the league i think you can put dallas in that conversation pretty comfortably uh in terms of the rest of the Uh, The rest of the league who's, you know, generating advanced stats set a really good clip on the power play. you got your usual suspects, to be honest. It's Carolina, it's Florida, it's the Rangers, it's Boston, it's Colorado. Um, A lot of the same. You know, it's interestingly Toronto not up there uh, on the power play. They've uh, been scoring goals. Like their uh, shooting percentage has been pretty high. And obviously when you have talent like they do, uh, that can be the case where you just kind of outscore your um, kind of outkick your coverage in terms of um, the actual amount of chances you're generating versus the amount of goals you're scoring. Um, but that's probably not a sustainable thing long-term. So it'll be interesting to see whether the Leafs can turn that around or if that'll be a, a bigger problem moving forward. Uh, also San Jose gets up here. Uh, they're fourth in the league in scoring chances for per 60 on the power play. So again, you have a few elite players, Meyer and Carlson, and then a few really solid players in hurdle and couture behind them. And I think that you have all the makings for a solid power play as long as the system is good. And that's what we're seeing in San Jose right now. I like it. All right. And, uh, Seattle and Arizona fourth and fifth in power play shooting percentage on the season. Um, It's been talked about a bit with Arizona, but I don't think people are cluing into the fact that Seattle's getting a bit lucky. And then on the flip side, you've got Anaheim and Carolina 32nd and 31st respectively in power play shooting percentage. Um, So Carolina definitely getting just terrifically unlucky on the power play and that'll turn around Anaheim. The, the advanced stats are not good. Uh, They're just bad all around. (laughs) The shooting percentage might come up a little bit, but even if it does, it's not going to be enough uh, to really save them. They're just bad all the way around. But yeah, I think Seattle and Arizona um, being so high in power play shooting percentage, we should expect that to come back to earth a little bit. And uh, that should happen uh, pretty soon, in my opinion. I uh, don't think we can expect that to sustain. Any of these teams surprise you with these power play numbers? Or is yeah. this uh, pretty much
1: par for the course? No, not at all. This, this, actually, this section for me, I can honestly say I don't delve deeply into team trends and statistics so that's something i get a lot of of the stuff that you're bringing to the table but yeah right off the bat carolina most you know some of the most chances and the worst you know shooting percentage like Mm -hmm. that screams value right your carolina players like you're you know you if if you're questioning like hey i don't know should i drop this guy like well look at this you know like that that is not going to stay there carolina especially that's not going to stay there it's, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be elite, but, you know, look at the chances they're generating and then they're, they're not, they're just not converting. So this, the law of averages that is going to come up. So you got players on Carolina's power play, pick up your Stefan Nosen right there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, that legend right there. But, um, yeah, I, I like that a lot. That that gives me some confidence to any Carolina players that I may have, where I'm like, what the hell is this? Right. Um, but these are, that's, that's excellent uh, stuff right there.
0: All right. Well, that's all we've got for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value. helped you get a little bit better at Fantasy Hockey today. All the advanced stats you heard today came from Natural Stat Trick. It's a free resource. You should go check it out. Delve into these team trends. uh, Get that edge on your competition that you're looking for. Many thanks, as always, to the band There There for supplying the music for the podcast. Be sure to check out their Spotify in the show description. And that's going to be it, folks. Much love.
1: Thanks, everybody. Talk soon.